Hallelujah. We shall have a grand time over in Zion. There's coming a day when all of the troubles are going to be over. We're not going to have to deal with all the nonsense, all the pain, all the struggles, all the trials and temptations, backbiting, gossiping, lies, division, everything. It's going to be a better time in Zion. I look forward to the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, where we can put off the carnal man and we can, we can forever and ever be at peace. Today I'm talking about spiritual blindness spiritual blindness from the word of the Lord and I'm going to bring you to Matthew chapter 23 verses 16 as a starting point hallelujah we're gonna go through some scriptures today just looking at blindness I believe it's uh, Matthew chapter 23 when you have it with me just Say amen. amen. It is Matthew chapter 23, correct? Yes? Hallelujah. Okay. Put it in my notes and I forgot the chapter. Praise the Lord. Well, Jesus Christ is speaking to the religious leaders of his day. And he starts uh, many verses before, but I'm going to start from verses 16. And I want you to pay attention to how many times... Jesus is mentioning the blindness on the part of the leaders. It says in verse 16, Woe unto you, blind guides, which say, Whoever shall swear by the temple, it's nothing. But whoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he's a debtor. You fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is upon it, he's guilty. You fools and blind. For what's greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Whosoever therefore shall swear by the altar, swears by it and by all things therein. And whoever shall swear by the temple and swears by it and by him that dwells therein. And he that shall swear by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him that sits thereon. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe and of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you, have to, you should have done and not to leave the others undone. You blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you. And, and just to quickly explain that you strain at doing the most simplest things, but yet you take in so much. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you may clean the outside of the cup of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. You blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, that the outside of them may also be clean. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whitewashed sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. What statements 
that Jesus Christ made concerning these religious leaders, the people that should be guiding you into righteousness, those who should have it all together, those who studied, those who consecrated their lives, those who were in the presence of God in the temple, in the synagogues, reading the word every day, meditating on it, doing their daily prayers. And yet Jesus Christ has this to say about the leaders. It's not a new statement in the, in the Word of God. We see a similar statement like this. Many statements in the Old Testament, in the book of Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel. And all throughout the pages of Scripture, we see the leaders, for some weird reason, being in the presence of God, failing to live up to the standards of the Lord. And we have to ask ourselves, what is it that causes or brings blindness in the heart of people that should know better. People that are leading the flock, pastors, teachers, apostles. How is it that these men of God, even the women of God, can be blind? Well, blindness comes in many ways. We're going to look at one example of blindness. We see blindness uh, in a few passages, and I'm going to bring you uh, first to Ezekiel, Exodus chapter 23, verses 8. I'm going to parallel this with Deuteronomy 16. The people of Israel and the leaders of God were told not to take gifts. Now, we know that salvation is a free gift, so obviously God is not saying that we shouldn't receive the gift of salvation. He's not saying that we should not take kind words or if someone voluntarily gives up their things towards us with the right intention that we shouldn't take it. But he's talking about when you're in a position as a person of God or as a leader, gifts can have a sort of way of perverting justice. It says in Ezekiel, Exodus chapter 23 and 8, And you shall take no gift. For the gift blinds the wise and perverts the words of justice. Deuteronomy chapter 16 and 19 says, And you shall not rest in judgment, you shall not respect persons, neither take a gift. For a gift blinds the eyes of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. Blindness can come by the giving of gifts, by kind words by simple statements. And it's often in a time of need. Usually when we're in a time of need, that's when the enemy strikes the most. If you're in a situation of poverty, and someone comes along and says to you, I will give you some money. Young men go through this all the time. They become drug dealers. They become, women become pimps because of a need. They're with their family members and their mother and their father has abused them, they never got the love, someone comes along and gives them an opportunity to escape. And that opportunity blinds their eyes. They put aside all of their values, everything that they thought was right because of the opportunity. Sometimes in relationships, we, we uh, have been so broken, so destitute for so many years, Someone comes along and says, I love you. Someone gives you an open ear. This is the root cause of why people end up into affairs and situations with people that they shouldn't be in 
because they're in a desperate situation. Either they had nobody in their life or they have somebody in their life that is not meeting the need. Someone says some kind words. It's like a gift. And someone opens up a door, an opportunity for you to have something that you never have. And even though deep inside, you know it's not the way you should go because of the need, because of the lack, because of the past, you take the gift and it says it blinds the wise and it perverts the words of justice or of the righteous. Remember Solomon was in that same boat. Even his father, David. Now, I don't fully understand every reason why David did what he did, except maybe for greed, we can assume. David had everything that his heart could desire. He had many wives. It's not listed as Solomon, but it's, I believe, at least 12 to 18 wives David had. And he wrote the Psalms. He had many wives. He had Saul's wives, the king that was before him. He had them too. He had empires. He was the ruler, the king. He even had a relationship with God. He was a man after God's own heart. An anointing on his life that he was able to kill the giant. He was able to play music just like Brother Luke. And his music was able to cast out demons. He was the first... Man that casted out demons with his music. This was David, an anointed man of God. Had everything at his heart, at his fingertip. But when he saw someone else's wife naked, she must have been very beautiful. She must have, I don't know, maybe there was a history. Maybe she gave a glance to him at different periods. Maybe his other wives didn't really like him. I don't know what was the reason. But David got greedy, took that gift that blinded him from his purpose, from everything in his life, and he fell. Solomon was in that category. And this is the reason why God said to Solomon, don't marry foreign wives because they will lead you astray. They will lead you to worship other gods and pervert justice and cause you to fall. The wisest man. And this is why it says, a gift blinds the wise. Solomon was wise, the wisest man that ever lived. And even Solomon fell by a gift. And so I share this as a start because if the wisest person that ever lived can fall by a gift, how much more should we, the fools of the world, the outcasts of the world, how much more should we pay attention? And so gifts can blind us. Kind words can blind us. And in fact, this blindness can also start by trauma. Trauma in a person's heart can cause us no longer to feel how we should feel, to see how we should see. Speaking with many people that I counsel over the years or even in marriage counseling or so forth, I notice that people have certain problems because of blindness. In fact, when we acknowledge who we really are, we look in the mirror of God's holiness, every one of us have a part of our lives that is blind. In fact, the Bible even says in, 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 through the Apostle Paul that we are going from glory to glory, strength to strength. We do not yet see what we ought to see. 
We see dimly as, as if through a small glass, a dim way. So we don't even see the full picture. And this is why many of us, what we do is we, 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 we argue, we fight, we, we're, we're uh, disillusioned, we get anxious, we complain, we go into sin. All of that because, because of the trauma of the trauma hallelujah somebody praise the Lord hallelujah. we have trauma things happen we don't see the full picture and so we whine if we could only see we wouldn't whine we wouldn't fight we wouldn't struggle if we could see but we don't see and so we have to remain humble so that we can see but how do we get to a place that we can see? You know, when I speak with a certain people in life and through sessions, people have gone through some dark moments that they don't want to speak to, about to anybody. And these dark moments, even though we continue to live, we figure out a way to survive, it affects us and sometimes we don't even see how it affects us. The first thing that we usually do when we're traumatized or even, uh, and I'm going to get to another reason after, but when we're traumatized, usually what we do is we isolate ourselves. You know, what happens if you get injured? You hurt your foot, you hurt your hand. The first thing you do is you cover your hand. You isolate yourself. You go to a safe place. When we're really injured, we go into a hospital. We stay at home. We isolate ourselves. But some traumas are not physical, some are emotional. And so what we do is, when we go through these traumas, we isolate ourselves from people. We start to act strange. We start to keep things to ourselves. And then everything around us seems to be uh, disconnected. People don't understand you. You, 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 you. you live and people think you're strange. You think everybody's judging you. You think everybody's staring at you because of the isolation. Even though people can't see a physical problem, there's something spiritual because we're meant to be in relationship. We're meant to say hi. We're meant to smile. We're meant to shake hands. We're meant to hug. We're meant to have fellowship meals. We're meant to gather we're meant to, to, to enjoy one another. But this doesn't happen in a lot of our uh, communities and our relationships because of the trauma. And we don't even know. We, we end up just going through life and we think that the way we're doing it is normal. But it's not. It's not normal to isolate yourself all the time. It's not normal to not have communication. It's not normal to not have a smile. In fact, when God said he made us in his image, and especially when we give our lives to the Lord as believers, he wants the fruit of the Spirit to come out. We should have joy. It's normal to have peace. And it's abnormal to live in isolation. And so we live and we become blind. We become blind to reality. We make excuses for the way we live. We say it's our personality. I'm just an introvert. I'm just this way. This is just me, but it's not just you. Something happened and we became blind. And so the only way is now to see ourselves in the reflection of God's holiness through his word. How am I supposed to live in relationship? How am I supposed to be in my marriage? How should I approach things 
with the people around me. Am I blind? Trauma can make people blind. Sin can make people blind. Turn with me to the book of Judges chapter 16. Many of you might know this story with Samson. Samson was a mighty man, anointed, a Nazarite. And this is a man of God that was, was mighty. And he, he ended up going into a situation that was bizarre. He ended up going into a situation that was not right because of the lust of his flesh. And so it says here in verses 6 that Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray, wherein your great strength lies and wherein you might be bound to afflict you. Now, Samson had a secret, an anointed secret. And, and this is, uh, kind of reminds me of a passage where Jesus said, don't give your pearls to swine. Don't just share all of your sacred information with the world. Don't just dispense things to people that it doesn't belong to. Because if you do, it could injure you. There's another passage in scripture where a man brought uh, the enemy or somebody into the house. If I recall this story, it could have been a prophet, I think. It wasn't the enemy, but I don't even remember exactly the details right now because this wasn't in my notes. But he let the man, yes, I think it was a king or an ambassador of the king, and he let him into his house and showed him everything in his house. Hey, who can help me with this? Thank you. Thank you, Brother Luke. Amen. That's why we have a Brother Luke. The uneducated Brother Luke knows more than the pastor. Amen. <laughs> Amen. God can use the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Amen. And so he showed him the entire house. And the prophet came up to him and said, what did he see? And he says, he saw everything. He said, why did you do that, dummy? He didn't say in those words, but in our modern vocabulary, why did you say that, dummy? Because now everything he saw, that what that really means spiritually is that everything will be taken away from you. You don't just expose your pearls and gold to everybody. You don't just open up your bank account and keep your door open and say, hey, every Tom, Dick, and Harry, come see what I got. And this is one of the reasons for modesty. You don't walk around showing your jewels, ladies, to every man out there. Because somebody's going to see something and deceive you. Someone's going to come along and tell you something that you want to hear and you think it's what you really need, the love that you've been looking for. But what he only wanted from you was something that you didn't want. He wanted your body when you wanted love. Modesty is there to protect you, to keep you. You don't show everything to everybody. And so Samson was tested by Delilah, and it says in verses 7, Samson said, if you bind me with seven degrees, now he's, he's playing with her, okay? And, and that wasn't the truth. Now, why was he even playing with her is the question, okay? You see, blindness doesn't come, spiritual blindness doesn't come right away. It comes over time. It comes over time. When, it comes, when you're dealing with sin, you see, trauma 
Sometimes it just happens and because you want to protect yourself, you end up putting a shield and then you walk it out and you're not, you don't realize that keeping that shield in your life, that offense in your life, that, that spirit of condemnation in your life, you don't realize it's blocking you from your destiny. It's blocking you from seeing things in a certain way. And you did it not because you intended to be blind, you did it because you were trying to protect yourself. But if you've ever hurt your leg or your arm, you don't stay in the bed forever. The whole purpose of getting healed or staying back is so that you can get back out there and walk. But what we do in life is when we're traumatized or hurt by somebody, we isolate, we put up a wall, we say we're never going to trust anymore because of the hurt that I received, and we live like that. We carry the grudges. And no wonder Jesus said, unless you forgive, you can't be forgiven. You can't get grace unless you're willing to give grace. You can't walk into your destiny until you, until you open your heart to the destiny. But if you keep the wall up, you will never get there. You'll, you're going to remain blind. And so sin now, sin is happening in Samson's life. He already started dabbling and playing with the enemy. He already started walking in an avenue that he shouldn't have walked. And now his eyes are slowly growing dim. I don't know if, if you've ever been in a situation where you know you shouldn't have done something. You've seen it right from the beginning. But as time goes on, your eyes start to grow dim. Your heart starts to grow callous. You start to say to yourself, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. You start to just... Forget about it to the point where you get so blind. I don't even want to know anymore. I don't want to feel it anymore. You see, that's why the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as a still, small voice. And even in the Word of God, it says that some have seared over their conscience as if it was with an iron, just, just covering it up. It's a process. And so Samson goes on with Delilah in verses 10, and Delilah said, Behold, you have mocked me. You told me lies. Now, he should have paid attention because every single time Samson tried to make fun or make jokes with her about his strength, she always tried it. She always tried to bind him and put him in a situation. I don't know what it's going to take for some of us, but some of us, we keep playing with fire. And every time we play with fire, we find ourselves hurt. We find ourselves losing our job, losing our friends, losing respect. But guess what? We do it anyway. We go further. You would think that one criminal record would, 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 be, would be a wake-up call. But then we go for a second. We go for a third. We go for a fourth. And next thing you know, we're in jail for life. You would think one broken heart would stop you from getting involved in premarital sex or pre-relationships in the wrong way, but you do it anyway. You do it again and again to the point where now you don't even care about yourself. See, Solomon wasn't, Samson wasn't paying attention. So in verses 11, he said unto her, if you bind me and fast with new ropes that were never occupied, then I shall be weak. Now he was playing with her again. She comes back and says, you're lying to me. Why are you doing this to me? And verses 15 said, and she said, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? And this is where the rubber hits the road. The rubber hits the road with your heart. Because 
Blindness, spiritual blindness, has to do with your heart. Your heart. From your heart flows the issues of life. Everything that comes out of your life comes from what's in your heart. Everything. So when you say, I'm addicted to porn, don't blame anybody else. It's because it's in your heart. When you have a lust problem, don't, don't, don't say, Pastor David, pray for me. I have the spirit of lust. No, no, no. What you need to do, you, you may have, well, you definitely have a spirit. But what you really need to do is you need to get to the root of your heart. Cleanse your heart. Make up your mind in your heart. When you, when you say that, you know, I can never achieve anything, it's because you believe a lie in your heart. When you, when you say that you have all of these, these bad habits in your life, it's because it's in your heart. And so Delilah was trying to get her in his heart. So how can you say you love me when your heart is not with me? Now the interesting thing here is that her heart should be with Samson. Not Samson's heart with her. Now, it might sound strange. I'm not saying that if that was his wife, if it was somebody that, that, that he should be with, that there's not some kind of harmony in the hearts. But she should be aligning with his vision. He should be aligning with what God has called him to do. But what the enemy likes to do, he likes to take you off course and say, listen, are you with me? You have bad friends. Are you with me? You, we were friends in the past. Yes, but I became a born-again Christian, and this is where I'm going. Yeah, but your heart's not with me. And that's where the blindness comes in, where the sin, that voice, that, that, that voice to turn on the porno, that voice to go into an illicit relationship. Is your heart with me? You see, it starts off with a voice, a temptation but then it slowly sinks into your heart. The more that you play around with that voice, that's why you have to catch it right, right from the beginning, right in the inception, and cut it off. If you know that it's wrong, if you know that it's leading you somewhere away from what's honorable, what's noble, what's just, you've got to right now cut it because if you don't and you start playing with it, slowly it goes from the, the ears to the head to the throat and to your heart. And once it gets into your heart, sin is conceived and your eyes become blind. This is how it happens. And so Samson was not paying attention. What was it about this lady? Was it because she was beautiful? Maybe. Was it because she offered him sexual fantasies? Maybe. There was something about this woman. Was it a spirit? Maybe. Definitely. Absolutely. But you know, no spirit can touch you as a believer unless you open the door to it. Nothing can touch you as a believer. The Bible says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. But if you want to take the dagger and stab your, your own heart, it will harm you. Okay? Let's not, let's not mince words. Let's, let's not say to ourselves, I'm under the blood. Let me just walk into the club. <laughs> I mean, yes, you're under the blood, but the blood said don't go to the club. Now, you want to go to the club, you're playing with fire. And you can't hold fire for that long. It doesn't matter how strong you are. Look at, look at Solomon. He was wise. And so he goes on here, I don't know what it was with, 
But, but it says in verse 16, she pressed him daily with her words. Now, if there was a woman that kept pressing you over and over to bind you, <laughs> to bind me, to put me in a trap, I mean, maybe he let his ego, that, that could be another reason why maybe he, he just let his ego take over. I'm so strong, nobody can take me down. That could be it. We got to be careful, the Bible says. We should, we, should, we should work out our salvation, the Bible says, with fear and trembling. Let's not think to ourselves that everything is just hunky-dory secure because I accepted Christ. Well, the Israelites had a covenant with God, and God didn't let most of them into the promised land. And what that tells you is that just because you say you're a child of Abraham, just because you say I'm a Christian, just because you say I'm an Israelite, just because you say I'm under the covenant, if you're breaking the covenant, you're going to break yourself. If you're going and rejecting the Lord, you will be rejected. Now, you can play with fire all you want, just like Samson. Yes, does God maybe have a purpose for those who once accepted Christ and said, no, I'm going to do my own thing. Well, I mean, we can debate this all day. We can say, was he really saved? Maybe he was. And we can go all around. But one thing we can all agree on is that when we step out of the will of God, when we distance ourselves from what we know to be true, we will miss out on our blessings. We will miss out. So no matter which way you spin it, God has something beautiful for you, wonderful, in a relationship with him. And even those who are in a relationship with God can miss out on their blessings with God. We see this all the time in scripture. And so it goes on and says in verses 17, after she urged him and urged him daily, he, he, in verse 16 it says, his soul got vexed, was vexed unto death. His soul. I wonder what he was saying. Why do you want to bind me so much? Why do you want to find the secret to my strength? Why are you doing this? Why? But his heart. He, he, he was already blind. He was already blind by her beauty, by her sexual things, by whatever thing that was that gripped him so strong. So they know what he does. He told her all his heart. And said unto her, there has not come a razor upon my head. Now he already saw her trying to bind him. Now he's telling her what it is. He's trusting the wrong person. A razor has not come on my head. I've been a Nazarite from my mother's womb. If I was shaven, then my strength would go from me and I will be weak and like other men. And look what this this lady does as soon as she finds out the weak point of the man of God as soon as she gets the in she gets the inroad as soon immediately you see the devil's cunning you see the devil will take opportunity right away some of us as Christians we have the opportunity right now in fact God has given so much opportunity for you to be saved I mean you're here today at church doesn't matter what you've been through today is the day of salvation you can get right with God filled with God healed by God delivered from God if you really want it the problem is is that our heart is not really with him we don't want it 
like we should. But guess what? The devil wants your soul immediately as soon as there's an open door he will come in and that's exactly what we see in this story it says here when Delilah saw he told her all his heart she sent and called the lords of the Philistines I think they were just demons she had a big demon and she called these demons come up this once for he has showed me everything in his heart he showed me his house. He opened up his nakedness to me. He revealed his deepest and darkest things in his life. Then the demons, the lords of the Philistines, came up unto her and gave her the money in her hand. She was taking a bribe. And she made him sleep upon her knees. And she called for a man. And she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. Now this lady, I don't know why Samson didn't see all the red flags here. I don't know why Samson didn't see that she was trying to bind him. I don't know why Samson put himself in this kind of situation because this woman was, was lewd. This woman was foul. And it says she began to afflict him and his strength went from him. She cut off his locks. And she said, the Philistines be on you. Now, she's watching her man as if this is a joke. What is he going to do now? Let's see if he really told me. And he awoke and he tried to shake himself off, but he didn't realize that the Lord was departed from him. He let himself become blind. He let himself become entangled. He let himself be bound. He let himself be so, so wrapped up in this deception that now he lost it all. His strength was gone. His anointing was gone. God was gone from his life. And so it says here, the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. This is a symbolism of blindness. He put out his physical eyes. And this is also a symbol of what Samson's problem was. He had an eye problem. He was always lusting after women. He was always looking in the wrong direction. He was always chasing after things that he shouldn't be chasing after and now the physical manifestation happened in his life. He lost his physical eyes because his spiritual eyes were already gone. His anointing was already gone. The presence of God was already gone. And now his life was falling apart. His eyes were gone. What a sad story. They brought him down to Gaza, bound him with feathers and brass, and he did grind in the prison house. This is what happens when we allow sin to creep in our lives. There's a passage of scripture taken from the book of James. And you can turn it with me. It talks about wars and fights, the lusts of the heart. And if you have it there in your Bible, you can go there with me. The book of James. 
It says in chapter 4, verses 1, Where do wars and disputes come from among you? Is it not here, that is to say, of your lusts which fight in your members? You desire your neighbor's things. You desire everything out there. You want, you want, you want, but you never get it. You don't have it. You murder to get it. You envy to get it, but you can't obtain it. You fight and you war and have not which you desire because you don't ask. You don't ask. But when you do ask and re you receive not because you ask amiss. Why? That you might consume it on your own pleasures. And it goes on. You adulterers and adulteresses know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whoever therefore desires to be a friend of the world makes himself the enemy of God. Don't you understand that the scriptures don't say this in vain? That the scripture, the spirit that dwells in us lusts to envy. Sin creeps in. A little seed creeps in. And we water it and we water it until it grows and we become blind. And we see that we lose our anointing. We lose everything. So we have a few reasons. People get blind gifts. Trauma. Sin. Pride can blind you as well. We read in Matthew chapter 23 about these so-called men of God. And it could be a part of Samson's fall, pride, his strength, pride. How many people today are just proud? We have a whole parade called Pride Parade, proud of their sexuality, proud of their lust, proud. People are taking pictures every day, proud of how beautiful they look. And even though uh, it looks beautiful, it's, it, it's really through filters. <laughs> proud of their filters. Did you see that new TikTok filter? Instagram filter. Looks makes me look like a million bucks. Pride. Proud. These men were proud of their status, proud of their education, proud of their role. Proud could be a reason. It could be that they've just given into sin. They've compromised and they became blind. We don't know all the reasons why, but Pride is another reason. The Bible says pride comes before destruction. When, when we get proud, when, when we can't listen anymore, this is something we need to take heed to when we can't listen. When nothing anybody says matters anymore. When the advice that is given, it doesn't hit the heart anymore. We become isolated. We do our own thing. There's no more reason anymore. There's no understanding anymore. We're an island on our own. Pride comes before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Saints of God. This is a warning because when we get blind, we can't see where we're going to go. Look at Luke chapter 6, verses 39, speaking about the blind man. 
It says here, very quick verse. It says, can the blind lead the blind? Won't they fall into a ditch? This is why the pulpit needs to be holy. This is why leaders need to be in check. And it's a, it's a scary thing. When I look at verses like this. In fact, it's a scary thing for every preacher when we encounter verses that are controversial. Especially verses that could shoot the preacher in the foot. The preacher always has an opportunity to not preach what the word of God says. Preachers are very skillful in their words. Clever. That's why they were able to have their synagogues and their temples. And yet when Jesus Christ came, they couldn't recognize him. And so pastors and preachers, we can avoid certain things. But when I read this, I realize that it's very important that not only myself, but every leader, every person, every one of us need to remain consecrated and be holy. This is why Paul the Apostle says in his word that leaders should be without, without any uh, outside interference. They should have, number one, a good relationship with those outside. And they shall have, I forgot the word right now. Help me out, saints of God. They shall have a clean heart. They should be without speck. They should be people that have integrity. Because when you have no integrity, when you have no righteousness, when you're living in sin, it's like you're a blind person leading the blind. How can a blind man lead people that are blind? How can a shepherd lead people to the Lord when the shepherd himself is blindfolded? This is why... The pastor's office, the pulpit, the preacher's office needs to be sacred. Not because God has a problem with anybody. Some people look at it wrong. It's not even about you. You see, in the Old Testament, people wanted to be priests outside of the calling of God. Not realizing you can't be a priest without the anointing unless God calls you to it. This is, this is the reason why it's silly for, for a woman to try to be a man or a man to be a woman. It's silly for a wife to try to take the role of her husband. It doesn't matter how right she is. It doesn't matter how righteous she is or how much she goes to church or how much she prays and her husband doesn't pray. You cannot do what you think you can do without the anointing, without the grace on your life. It has to be a sacred place. It has to be an office. The pulpit needs to be an office of sacredness, of holiness, so that you can come out of your blindness and be led right. Because it says that if a blind man tries to lead the blind, they will both fall into a ditch. I don't want to lead you into a ditch, saints of God. I don't want to be a blind man that's leading blind people. 
Because where would I lead you when I stand before the Lord and I'm blind and I'm leading blind people into the wrong place? Won't the judgment be severe on every shepherd that leads God's people into a ditch to hell? Saints of God, this is a sacred place, a holy place. This is why we need to pray for one another. We need to be men and women of God that lift each other up in prayer because this is about your soul. It's about your soul. It's about the souls of the community. It says in Matthew chapter 7, you can go with me from verses 4 to 5. It says here, how long... Or how will you say to your brother, let me pull the log, the moat out of your eye and behold, a beam is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of your own eye. Then you shall see clearly to cast the moat out of your brother's eye. This again goes with the principle. If you can't see, you can't help anybody to see. Because you can't see. If you're not living holy, how can you lead people to holiness? Because you don't even know the path. If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, how are you going to lead people to be filled with the Holy Ghost? If you don't have the anointing, how can you teach people to have the anointing? You need to be right. You need to see. You need to be somebody that gets in the presence of God. And knows God for yourself. And is in the right place. Oh Lord have mercy. Because sometimes when we realize that we're blind. It's, it's better we just stand still and say listen. I don't want to lead you in the wrong way. So I better not keep going. Because your blood will be on my shoulders. This is. Saints of God, the problem with being blind, being blind leads us to poverty. Mark chapter 10, verses 45 to 47. Oh Lord, saints of God, when you get there, listen, saints of God, there, there are so many people trying to grip somebody and pull somebody in directions that that person shouldn't go. Not realizing that you will have their blood on your hands. This is why I say, saints of God, when you're not ready, don't jump the gun. Don't do things until it's the right time. Because all you're doing is going into a ditch yourself and bringing somebody else with you. If you're bound by iniquity and sin, you better stay back and stop telling anybody how to live. Focus on yourself. How many people want to be evangelists? They think they could just take a phase one course and become an evangelist. Yes, it might seem easy. It might seem that, that we'll put you out there. But you know what? You know your heart. You can go through and wiggle through all of the loopholes and fool Pastor David and fool everybody else. But time will tell where you really stand with the Lord. 
A lot of people have come through the ropes. And I've never seen them after a month, two months, because it was not really who they said they were. You don't need to rush to be in a place when God has not called you to be there. It's better you wait and be humble because blood will be on your shoulders. People's depravity will be your fault. That's why the Bible says, let not everybody be a master. We have to have more sacredness when we talk about God. Whether it's through music, whether it's through evangelism, whether it's from the pulpit, we got to be more careful, even as a Christian, to say the name of Christ at the workplace. And you're acting like the devil. We better be careful because when we say we're a Christian at work, when we say we're a preacher, when we say we're a pastor and our lives are a hot stinking mess, then everybody that watches us, everybody that sees it, is going to be led astray, disappointed, disillusioned, disheartened. We're leading them into a ditch. I always remember that story. I don't know how true it is about Mahatma Gandhi, how he walked into a church in the 1930s or 1920s in India. I believe it was in that era. And when he walked into this church in India, the people at the church, I, I think it was a Methodist church if I'm not correct, but it was some kind of church. He walked in because he knew about the teachings of Jesus Christ. And he loved Jesus Christ as a young Hindu boy, a young Hindu man. He loved Jesus Christ. The teachings of Jesus were amazing. He wanted to follow Jesus. But as soon as he went to the church, the men came to the door and said, Sir, this is a church for white people only. They turned back one of the greatest influencers of the world. Today, India could have been Christian. I wonder what the judgment would be on those Christians who turned back this one man who ended up freeing and liberating the Indian nation. All because of the teachings of Jesus. He maintained his position as far as I know about Jesus. He loved, he thought he was the greatest teacher, one of the greatest leaders. But unfortunately, things didn't work out for Christ through him. The nation continued to be Hindu. Mark chapter 10 verses 45 to 47 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered, but to minister and to give life and, a, and be a ransom, give his life as a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timothy, sat by the highway begging. It says, when he heard of Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. You see, when you're blind, when you can't see, the only thing you could do is cry out. The only thing you can do is beg. Sometimes there's 
There's deaf people. Now, it's not blindness, but they come into, some of them are frauds, but they come into the donut stores, the coffee shops, and, and, and they're begging for money. Now, our government does provide benefits for people that are disabled, which is amazing that our country does such. But when you're blind, there's not much you can do. Some have proven the odds differently, like Ray Charles. He decided that he's still going to learn the piano, but it's much harder. Most people that are in these situations of blindness are usually led about by a watchdog, led about by somebody's hand, and they can't do what most of us can do. This is what blindness does, spiritual blindness. The moment you start letting sin into your life, the moment you continue the trauma, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the moment pride starts puffing up in your life, you cannot do and function the way that God wanted you to function. Mark chapter 8 and 22 says, And he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. You see, again, when you're blind, you need to be led by somebody. You need help from somebody. Saints of God, I don't want anybody to remain blind. Job chapter 29 and 14 to 15, he says, I put on righteousness and it clothed me with, with judgment. Was, uh, my judgment was as a robe and a diadem. I was eyes to the blind and feet was I to the lame. I was a father to the poor. Again, when you're blind, someone else has to lead you. When you're blind, someone has to give to you. When you're blind, someone else, even a watchdog, a blind dog, a dog that's not blind but leads the blind, he needs to be the eyes for you. Somehow, some way, you got to get your eyes back. Because if you continue to live blind, you will never get to the destination that you want to be in. Saints of God, I don't know where everybody's at, but I want to share just a brief story, and it's a story that many people share. It's a story of couples. When I say it's a story, it's actually stories, but encapsulized in one, just it's a common story. You see, in many marriages, many relationships, but focusing on marriages, sometimes they fight and they fight to the point where things are unresolved. It could be the wife that continues to complain. She's the one that's affected. She has a husband that is never meeting the needs of love and affection. It could be the husband who's just fed up with his wife, who's always out partying or just never respects him. And, 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 and so the two people keep fighting. They keep fighting. But this story I share because this is a story we all go through in life, whether you're married or not, whether you're in a relationship and you're in a frustration and you've said your voice, you've said your complaint. And no matter how many times you said your complaint, you're a wife, you said your complaint, you're a husband, you said your complaint one time, two times, three times. And no matter how many times you say it, nothing changes. People don't budge. 
There's only two things that this could be. It could, it could be because they don't see, number one, or they don't have the strength to do anything about it. Now think with me for one moment. If somebody can't see, I, I just need a volunteer here. Um, Brother Luke, come here, man. Come on, give a big hand for Brother Luke. Amen. Now, I don't really have it. I, don't, I didn't come prepared for this, but I don't know if anybody has something that they can put on Luke's eyes. Does anybody have something? Not keys. Okay, thank you, thank you. I'm going to grab this from, hallelujah. I need to blindfold your eyes, brother. Amen. <laughs> now, I want you to stand over there. Uh, where? Exactly. Where? <laughs> okay, come, come. See that? Now I have to lead you, right? Okay. Now, what I want you to do, I just want you to walk forward. Just stand, stand up. Stand up. Okay, I want you to walk, just walk forward. See, but before you do, wait, 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 before you do. I just want you to picture, right? Young and Dundas, and I'm about to cross the street. And I'm waiting. Dun, 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 dun. The tick ticker is going on. I'm waiting. Looking at my now, you now I want you to walk. Now I'm from the ghetto. So you hit. So so if I was from the ghetto, I'd be like, yo, what are you going on my shoes, man? What's wrong with you? But that's what how our normal reaction would be. But as soon as I look over and I realize this is a blind man, you know what happens? My anger, my anxiety goes down. Am I right? I mean, most of us are not going to get angry at a blind man that can't see. This is what happens in marriages, okay? You, you, you tell your husband, yeah, you, 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 all, you, you never, you're always just watching TV. Can you just stop and watching TV? And, 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 and the husband is like, well, I just like the movies. All right? You gotta, you know, you bring it up again. Can you just, just pay me some attention? I'm talking to you. Okay, and then he looks at me for a second, but then he's on his phone, so he's distracted again. And no matter how many times I tell, if you, if, you know, we're just pretending he's the, the husband here, not, not in any weird way, okay? Just, okay? He's just, you know, metaphor, okay? <laughs> no matter how many times I tell him, he's not getting it. You know why? Because he's blind. He doesn't see. So the silly thing about arguments and relationships, the stupid thing is that we never pay attention to the spiritual state of our partner. We keep fighting with somebody even though they can't see it. They don't see things the way you see it. They don't understand it. They're not even there. It's funny because even if you're not married, we're getting mad at unbelievers that are not saved. I mean, we're getting mad at parents that, that don't even know Jesus. They, they, they have no clue. It takes somebody that's born again to see the, the truth about life. But until that blindfold is off, they're not going to see. So it makes no sense for me to keep arguing 
with him. If you're a wife, it makes no sense for you to start opening your mouth and arguing and bad-mouthing him and, and, and using, using manipulation, using, using uh, curse words, throwing dishes, um, uh, becoming uh, passive-aggressive, becoming uh, 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 withholding sex, uh, withdrawing yourself. It makes no point because every time you do that to a blind person, you just make it worse. He can't see. And you think by bringing negative energy into an already negative situation is going to somehow make it positive? It's like taking fire and adding fire to the fire. It only makes the fire bigger. So some of you are just not thinking. As Christians, you're not thinking. I'm not saying that he's right. He could be dead wrong, but if he's blind... You hitting a hitting and telling him to see. Come on, see. See. Why don't you walk where I, I am? You see, you see? It doesn't really matter what I say to him over and over and over and over and over and over. You're wasting your energy. You're wasting your breath. Because he's blind. And the same thing goes for your wife. You tell your wife, yes, she should submit to you. Yes, your husband should love you. But what do you do if he's not loving you and you've talked to him? I just want you to cuddle me. Oh, I don't feel like it. He doesn't see. So what does the Bible say? Just give, give Brother Luke a hand. You can unblind, unblindfold your eyes. Good job. Yeah, you could go, go back there. What does the Bible say to do when your partner is blind? First... Peter chapter 3 has the answer. I want you to turn there with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 says this. See, sometimes I preach long because I like to cover my bases. I like to look at different angles of different things. But God is working on me. I'm blind in that area too. I, I understand that everybody has a patience threshold. Amen. But it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your husband, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word, without your tongue, without your bitterness, without your manipulation, without your nonsense, without your dishes being thrown at his head, they may be one without a word, by the conversation of the wife. By the conversation of the wife. Now, that's not talking about your conversation, because if it was talking about conversation in the sense of, I'm talking to you, then it wouldn't say without a word. Conversation in the King James language, if you look at a modern translation, it means by your lifestyle. So there gets a point when somebody is blind... And you realize one time, two times, three times, everything I say, they can't see it, they're not doing it. Then what you need to do is stop. Stop trying to force yourself. And wait. Because sooner or later, if this person wants to be successful in life, they're going to have to see where they're going. If they want to have peace in their life, sooner or later, they're going to have to come to the awareness of their folly. Now, if they can't see, who is it 
that can open the heart of man. If we wrestle not against flesh and blood, then why are you wrestling? Why are you fighting if the problem is the guy's blind? So who is it that can open the eyes of the blind? I know somebody, and I want to introduce you today. And if you don't know him today, I got a phone number for you. You can dial 1-800-JESUS-CHRIST. He can open the eyes of the blind. He's the only one that I know that can open the eyes of the blind. The only person. I don't know why it's like that. I, but the thing is, you've tried already, didn't you? you? You tried one time, two times, three times. You've been fighting for five years, ten years, fifteen years with your husband and your wife. You've been trying your way. Now it's time for God to do his thing in his or her life. Now the second thing is, if they may not have strength to change. You see, if somebody is blind, remember what I said before, sometimes people are blind because of trauma. Some people are blind because of sin. They got themselves tangled up. Their eyes have been plucked out like Samson. They got so much pride. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, trauma, sin, pride, whatever it is, let's just work with trauma. Let's just say the person has no strength. They're one of those Christians or one of those people in your life that Know that what you're saying is true. Yeah, you're right. But they never change. Or maybe they don't even acknowledge that they're right. But they're just like, yeah. And they take a deep breath, yeah. For them, it's like another burden on their life. Like they got tons of other things. And, and just so that you know, every one of us have burdens that we have to face. Sometimes people get the wrong impression of people and they think that that person does not care about you, does not love you. But let's face it, in life, most of us, all of us, at some point, we're more self-driven because we have our own struggles. We have our own rent to pay, our own burdens, our own temptations. And so a lot of the times, we just don't have the strength to look at your problems. So we don't call you. We don't understand you. We just pass you by. Because we got a lot of burdens on ourselves, We don't have the strength to even help you. So sometimes we got wives fighting with their husband. Meanwhile, they don't realize their husband was abused as a kid. Their husband has everybody rejecting him outside. His husband just got fired from work. The husband is rejected with his family. The, 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 the husband has his, uh, he, he doesn't even know who he is. He's trying to figure himself out. And then you want him to cuddle with you in the middle of the night when he, when he can't even figure himself out. And vice versa. You got a wife. And this is, this is the reason why, saints of God, it says to keep yourself pure. When you're young, don't sleep around. Keep your virginity, man and woman. Keep yourself. Because the more that you start sleeping around, the more burdens you bring into your life. And then the time that you get married, you got all these issues. And you can't give out anymore. And your husband or your wife will be frustrated with you. And then guess what? You'll have fights. This is the reason. It's not that God doesn't want you to have sex. He just, does, he just wants you to have sex without the burden. He wants you to have sex in enjoyment, in fulfillment, in love. But the more you have sex in the wrong way, all you do is bring guilt and shame and walls and trust issues. 
And then you bring that into your relationships. No wonder so many people are getting divorced today. No wonder. And if you have not kept yourself because you fell into the trap of Samson and, and Solomon and you, and you have all these burdens, don't be a burden to somebody else. Deal with yourself first. Get the burdens off of your life. Get deliverance first. Make sure that you've got no hang-ups in your life. No trust issues with men. You know how many people want to get married because they're getting older. I need to get a man. I need to get married. But, but, but you yourself are hurting and broken and messed up. You're just going to mess up somebody else's life. Man or woman. Man or woman, it doesn't, it, it, it's not just for the man or just for the woman. Men can have problems in their mind and their spirit and their emotions too. Every time a man sleeps with someone, every time a woman sleeps with somebody, it's as if they, they're, they're, they're imparting their spiritual diseases with each other. They're, they're letting the frequencies and the energy affect every part of their being. They're giving a part of their soul to somebody else. And this is the reason why some people, when they, they get together, they can't give their all to, to their partner because 90% because of their heart is with Sally and they're married to Jesse and, and, and all they're giving is 5% and, and Jesse's wondering why he doesn't love me, why she doesn't love me. Because his heart is here. He's married to you here, but his heart is here. It's in his mind. And you have no clue what he's doing behind the scenes. This is why so many men, they have fantasies behind the scene. Not just men nowadays. Women have fantasies behind the scene. They're married to you, but they're married to the porn star in the middle of the night. They spend a little too much time in the bathroom. Now you know why. You know what I'm telling you is true. You see, you're bringing burdens into your life. And so when somebody is blind, Jesus can open the eyes of the blind. But sometimes people are weak. And so what do you do? You see, sometimes wives or husbands complain and they just can't take it anymore. They have to have, you have to ask yourself, why do I want this so badly? This is the question mark. Why do you want your husband to cuddle you so much? Is he a teddy bear? Why do you want your wife to submit to you? Why don't you just hire a molly maid? Like what, what's wrong with you? What's, why do you want it so badly? Why do you have to get it from her? You know, a lot of the times we think that what we really need is for her or him to love us, for him to comfort us, for her to comfort us, forgetting that Jesus said, I will send to you a comforter, a helper that will be with you forever. This is the reason why we're not going to be married in heaven, because we won't need it in heaven. And some of us can get heaven now. All of us can get heaven now. You see, the thing that you really want is not even your partner. What you really want is the God in your partner. Because everything good comes from God. 
Your partner is simply just a temporary vessel to help point you to the one who can give you eternal satisfaction. The Bible says when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall have abundant life, eternal life. And it's not from your wife or your husband. It's from God. And anything in your wife or your husband is a temporary glimpse of what God wants to give you. And if you pay attention to this, you're not going to be bugging your husband or your wife for love because we have the God who is love. First John chapter 4 and 4. God is love. He's love. Not your wife, not your husband. It's God. It's God. You want a servant in your life? You want someone someone that went the extra mile for you? That, that would do anything for you? I know somebody that even though he was the Lord, he took off his, his, his lordly garments and he got on his knees and he washed the feet of his disciples and he didn't just stop there. He went all the way to the cross and died for sinners. You want somebody to surrender and submit? What you really need is Jesus in your life. who died for you, submitted to the best for you. That's what you need. Because now you realize that your partner is weak. So now you're saying, well, why do I really need it so much? Why did I even get married if he's going to be like this, if she's going to be like this? What am I doing? Well, there's a couple of things you can do. See, when you know that either they're blind or they're weak, see, if you keep hitting a blind man, it's you that's blind, not your partner. If you keep bombarding your wife or your husband when you've one time, two times, three times, four times, five times, ten times, ten years been bugging them, it's not them that has the problem, you know, it's you that has the problem because you can't see that they're blind. How stupid are you going to be? Think about how stupid you are. Imagine what I did. Imagine I kept telling Luke to stop hitting me, stop walking this way. He can't. He's blind. And you're the one that can't see. You can't see. You got the log in your eye. Bigger log than your eye. And the more that you force it and the guy, if you think they're blind and you keep plucking at their eye, plucking at their eye, guess what? You're going to damage their eye to a point that they will never see. You're defeating the purpose of trying to help them to see. If they're blind and you keep bugging them, then you're going to permanently damage the relationship and hence you get divorced. Because you're too nagging. The Bible says it's better for a man to dwell in the corner of a house than with a nagging woman because this woman couldn't see my husband's blind and she kept pestering him. Do this. Why aren't you this? this? So the, so the husband now doesn't want to come home from work and you wonder why. I said, baby, <laughs> Lord have mercy. Do you know how many people are in these situations? They don't come home because there's no peace at home. And then they end up in affairs because they can't talk to you. But they can talk to everybody else but you. 
And you claim you love them and you like them, you want the marriage, you want the relationship, but you're the one poking their eye to the point that no relationship can even happen. All that's saying is that you are a needy person. And when you become forceful, all you're saying is you are not filled with the Holy Ghost because the Bible says love is not forceful. Love is patient. Love is kind. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So if you're one of those partners that are nagging and pushing and forcing and manipulating and, 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 and restricting and everything, all that's saying is you need to get right with God. You need to get right with God. Don't worry about them. Yes, they got their alcohol problem, but you need to get right with God. Don't worry about them. Yes, they're watching porn, but you need to get right with God. Don't worry about them. Yes, they're not coming home from work, but you need to get right with God because you don't understand they're blind. You can't see. And if you claim to love the person, then why don't you get on your knees and fast and pray and become a blessing rather than a curse in your partner's life? They're blind. They're blind. Or they're weak. Trauma. You know what you do when you realize that your partner or the person in your life, the parent in your life, is not changing. They're blind or they're weak. So if they're weak, what do you do when somebody's weak? I need another volunteer. Brother, come, brother. Yes, you. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know what to do here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Need you to lie on the floor, brother. Yeah, just, just lie there. Yeah, lie in the pulpit. Just lie on your back. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, man. There you go, brother. Okay, just, just keep that up all the way straight. All right, keep it there. Keep it there. you feeling not not good you think you can keep holding it okay, okay. <laughs> give him a big hand he wasn't expecting to do do a bench press today but you see imagine you brought somebody to the gym and they they can't lift 500 pounds Okay, he looks pretty strong, but they can't lift 500 pounds. Now, if I was the coach and I put them under the bench press like him, and I'm just like, you know, I'm gonna put 500 pounds. I know his max is 120, but I'm gonna give him 500 pounds because he needs to get in shape. What, what kind of coach would I be? First of all, I'd be a fool because if I keep laying those weights upon him, He's going to hurt himself. He's going to drop it. He's not going to be able to do it. Because he has, he needs time to build up the strength. Nobody has it all together right when you want it to, to be. Now, when you're trying to tell somebody to give you something and you realize they're not giving it to you, it's either because they're blind or they're weak. They don't have what you want from them. They don't have enough grace to give it to you. Have you ever been so hungry 
that the only person you're thinking about is yourself. It happens to me all the time when we pass through a McDonald's, and I haven't done that for a little while, or at least since the fast, but last month I did. But sometimes when I, in the past, when I would go to McDonald's with my wife, I would order, let's just say, a McChicken combo with fries and a vanilla milkshake and an apple pie. Two for a dollar ninety-nine. All right? There's a reason why my belly keeps getting big. So when I go through this drive-through, this is what happens, okay? I, every single time I go and I'm hungry, I'm not thinking about my wife or my kids. I, this, I become selfish. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just let you know that. I go to the drive-through and then I ask, okay, the little grace comes in, do you want anything? Well, guess what? My wife says, no. She says, no. Now, the reason why I went through the drive-thru is because I'm hungry and I know exactly what it's going to take. I'm not going to order 10 McChickens. I'm going to order one McChicken, one fries, two apple pies, and a milkshake because I know this is what I need to fill my void, okay? This is for me. No more, no less. Too much, it's not going to be, I don't need it. Too little, I'm going to be hungry. So I order for myself. And I do the good husband duty. Do you want anything? She says no. So then I get my order from the drive-thru. And as soon as I open up the bag, You know where I'm going with this. She goes, honey, can I have some? No. No. I asked you already, did you want something? And you said no. This is for me. Yeah, but we should share a husband and wife. No. I'm hungry. I don't have enough to spare. So common sense, what I ended up doing is, even when she says no, I buy two. Because I 100% know that she's gonna ask me when she sees the food. See, this is a little bit of a wisdom. This is wisdom. So the reason why I brought this up is because when somebody is empty, they only have enough for themselves. When you're asking something from somebody that is empty or only has enough for themselves because they're wrapped up in their own world, they're wrapped up in their own pain, and you're asking them to love you when they don't even love themselves. You're asking them to submit to you when they can't even submit to God. You're asking them to buy you gifts when they got no job. You're asking them to be more romantic when they grew up in a house where their parents were never romantic, they've never seen a kiss, they've never had any tender loving care in their life, and you're asking that type of person that's why you gotta number one pay attention to which guys you marry you want a man to take care of you and he doesn't have a job you want a man to love you and he has no background of love no no examples no mentorship in his life you want a woman to submit to you and she she can't even she can't even submit to her own parents 
And then you wonder why your marriage is having problems. Well, anyway, regardless of why your marriage or why your relationships are having problems, when you realize they're weak, there's only two things you can do. Number one, when somebody's weak, you got to give them time to grow. The wise person would say, they're weak. I can't force, even if I forced it, I could hurt him. It doesn't matter. He cannot lift 500 pounds. So even if I put it there and said, do it, love me, be romantic. You know, so many people, they want someone to love me. I want you to be like that guy. He, you know, look how he treats his wife. I want you to be like that girl. She's so submissive. Well, hey, I'm not that girl and I'm not that guy. I'm this girl and I'm this guy. How are you going to make somebody... It's like saying, I want a pig to be a dog. I want to be a dog to be a human. Listen, if that person is not that person, they will never be that person. They are who they are. But if you want them to grow into something they can grow into, and it's right, and they're not who you are, who they are right now, wisdom would say they need time to grow. If you keep forcing and pressuring, if I just keep pressuring them to lift 500 pounds, it's not going to work. Muscle, you need, to, you need to tear the muscle and it needs to rest and you need to feed the muscle and it needs to grow and that doesn't happen overnight. So why do we pester and fight and argue with people that are either blind or weak? Why do we do it? Silly, stupid, ignorant, ignoramus, foolish. You are blind. And why do you want it so much? That means you are weak. Not them, you, you're needy. So the, the wise thing that you can do, you can wait. The second thing you can do when you're in a situation with somebody, when you're not getting what you want, you can accept. Sometimes we just have to accept. When I was young, I, I loved playing basketball and I got to grade nine, I was a really good guard. But then when I tried out for the team, I look up and a six foot seven guy, everybody's six foot two and up. I'm five foot seven, five foot six at maybe that time. And now, hey, I, I can still rock it, I can still play. But every time I went for a layup. <laughs> so I had to just accept the fact that David Lynn was not called to be Spud Webb of the NBA. Spud web days are over, okay? There's no more five foot three guys gonna be making it to the NBA. Five foot seven, I think five, Muggsy Bogues, if, you, if you're old enough, Muggsy Bogues was five foot three. Spud Webb was five foot seven. I don't think you'll ever see that again in the NBA. That was back in the 80s. Nowadays, you wanna be a point guard, minimum six four, six six maybe. That's not me. So I had to accept. Sometimes when you're in a relationship, you just got to accept. That's just not them. And you know what? When you learn to accept things, you accept God's will. Listen, I'm married to this person. I'm in this relationship. It's just not them. They, they don't like running, and I do. Okay, well, it's just not them. They, 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 they don't like cooking. They should cook. I, mean, I wish they would cook, but they don't. It's just not them. You just got to accept it. There's always Uber Eats. 50% off when you get that little deal and you pay. I'm, trying, I'm not trying to use Uber Eats, okay? Because I've eaten a lot of Ubers over the years. So you can accept. The third thing that you can do 
is get a job. Now, what do I mean by that? If I was walking to a store and I saw this jacket that I really liked, there's nothing wrong with wanting a nice jacket. Let's just say it's a car. See the nice Mercedes car. You, I want it. There's nothing wrong with getting a nice, beautiful car. Maybe it's a house. I want the house. But then you look inside your bank account and then you realize, wait a second, I don't got enough money for the house. Now what do you do? Do you steal the house? That's the forcing. Well, you don't steal the house because you're going to go to jail. There was something on the news recently about somebody pretending that they were the house owner and they sold a house. I don't know if you saw that, saw that news article. Well, guess what? They found out and they're probably going to jail now. Okay, you can't steal the car, steal the house, steal the, the, the TV. You can either do that, some people do, but they end up in jail, or you can accept, hey, that house, beautiful, car, beautiful, just not for me because I don't have the money. Okay, I accept it, it's not for me. Or you can get a job. You say, you know what, if you really, 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 really want that thing, get a job, save some money, and then you can buy the house. It's the same thing with your partner. If you tell that person to do something and you realize they're weak, you really, really want that from your husband or your wife, forcing it's not going to work. Maybe you can't accept it. No, I need my wife to respect me. I need my husband to love me. And, and, you, and it's so bad. Okay, well then get a job. You know what that means? It means that you now need to be that person to help pay the bills. Help invest into your marriage. Because if that person is weak, you can be that coach to help them to get strong. You can be that person to come along. Instead of nagging them, say, I can see that you can't cook. Let's stand in the kitchen together and let's cook together. Let, let, let me help you. And if I don't want to, okay, well, if you really want the food, then go make some food. Maybe your example of cooking the food might inspire your husband or wife to do what they ought to do. You see? This is the wise thing to do, saints of God. Now, I got carried away a little bit, and I just want to uh, bring us back to the point of blindness. This is the backdrop of 1 Peter chapter 3. When somebody doesn't see, there's no point of fighting. There's no point of arguing. It's either they can't see or they have a weakness on the inside. But the word of the Lord says in Luke chapter 4 and 18, and I'm going to close with this. I'm going to call the worship team up at this point. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 4 verses 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has healed me, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. I'm here to tell you today that whatever your circumstance is, whether you're blind through trauma, you see, you may not see it, but if you've gone through trauma in your life and you've noticed in your life that the relationships that you're in never seem to work, 
You realize that nobody seems to like you. you you're, you're somebody that everybody rejects. There's, there's somebody that has a hard time keeping relationships. You're, you're somebody that no matter what you do in life, the jobs never work out for you. You keep getting fired. Nobody hires you. You can't seem to progress in your life. It's most likely because of some trauma that you have not dealt with and it's made you blind. You might not see what it, what exactly it's doing, but if you can just say, yes, I have some trauma and you can just at least glimpse on some of the things in your life, most likely you need to get help. You need to get the help of the Almighty God to open up your eyes so that you can see clearly to move forward in your life. Maybe you're in sin today. Never make a big decision when you're in sin. Never step forward into a major purchase when, when you don't even have enough money in the bank account. You're just setting yourself up for a problem. When the economy crashes, you won't have a house. When you go into something and you don't have enough to carry it through, you're going to find yourself in the divorce court. You're going to find yourself in the place that you don't want to be. Sin can make you blind. And there is somebody that died for sin. There is somebody that remedied the problem of sin. And when you face your sin through repentance, when you face your life with repentance and yielding to the Holy Spirit in your life, you will see clearly so that you can progress and move forward. But if you're going to stay in your sin, you will be in the same place forever until you deal with it, until there's true repentance. And you can't come and tell me, Pastor David, I'm trying. Well, you're not trying enough. You can't tell me, well, I can't. Well, if you can't, then you can't progress. Of course you can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Don't say you can't. Because if you're confessing you can't, then you never will. And it's better to go to the altar and believe that someone can. And even if you fall tomorrow, you still want to go to the one that can. Because there is hope. And if you give up on hope, you're giving up on yourself. If you tried to start out this week, this fast with the Lord, these 21 days, and you failed, this is not for you to say fasting isn't for me. All this means is you need to get back up. You started your week last week and you said, I'm going to be in the prayer line, but you never made a, an attempt to get on the prayer line. Well, you know what? There's a new day. You can get on the prayer line t tomorrow, today. You need to deal with your sin. If you don't, you're going to perish. The Bible says, unless you repent, you will perish. Maybe you're in a relationship today. And you've been fighting your partner and you're on the brink of divorce. You're on the brink of something. You, 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 don't, even, you don't even get along. You're, you're like that man on the other. You're like that man on the other side of uh, the wall. Or the woman on the other side of the wall. Maybe that's you. 
and you're saying to yourself, man, like, look, it's either they're blind or they don't have any strength. One of the two. If they're blind, there's nothing you can do. You can go to the one. Actually, I'm not going to say there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do in your own strength. You need to go to the one that can open the eyes of the blind. He's the only one. It's not by might or by power. It's by his spirit, saith the Lord. And if they're too weak, if you realize either both, they're weak, they can't do it, they don't have strength, they don't know God, they don't... Why fight with your mom? Why fight with your dad? Why fight with your coworker? Why fight with your spouse when they don't know God? Even if they say they're Christian and you know what a real Christian is, you rubbing it in their face is not going to change them. Because you rubbing it in your face is pointing the, poking their eye to the point where they just don't like you anymore. Nobody likes a nagging fly, a, a, a constant drip. Nobody likes a finger pointed in their eye every second of the day. Do it, do it, change, change, change. Shut up! Leave me alone! They don't have the strength right now. They can't see. Step back. You really want them to change. Be the help. Be the blessing that you want them to be. Don't be the curse. Don't be the nagging wife, the nagging husband. Be the blessing. And if you don't have the strength to be the blessing, then you have no right to worry about somebody else not having the strength. You need to get strength to be a man for yourself. You need to be get the to, to get the strength from God to be the woman for yourself. You're worrying about someone else's role in life when you should be focusing on what God called you to be. God didn't call the wife to be the husband and to worry about the husband. He called the wife to worry about being a wife. Don't worry about your husband. He will stand before the Lord. Worry about being a good wife. Are you a good wife? And if you don't have strength to be, oh, I can't be a good wife because he doesn't love me. Well, all that means is that you need God. Because God never said be a good wife only when someone's good to you. He never said bless only when they bless you. He said bless those who curse you. Do good to those who spitefully use you. You can't be a Christian unless you have that kind of grace to love your enemy. And if you can't love your enemy, then what you need to do is get some love from God so that you can have the capacity to love somebody that doesn't love you. Saints of God, it ain't easy. But it becomes easier when we see Jesus, when we see the bigger picture. The more we take the blindfold off of our eyes and we see the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to sing that song, brother, with Brother Luke. Here comes the glory of the Lord. I want you to sing that, brother. Give him a mic. My strings broke. But, uh... Stand up here, brother. Stand up here. Stand up here. Just put a mic. You got this, brother. Here comes the glory of the Lord. We sang a song earlier about in Zion. One day we will, we will see him in Zion. As you can get your eyes off of the, the mess and start to see where you're going. anymore, your husband anymore, your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother. You're not going to worry about those who offended you and hurt you. 
because now you're seeing Jesus in the room. You're seeing the glory. You're seeing Zion. You're awaiting to see the King. Zion is coming. The new Jerusalem is coming. Jesus is coming on his horse with fire in his eyes, a sword in his mouth. servants of the Lord and the only way we can do this if we get on the prayer, get on our knees and call unto the Lord who can open the eyes of the blind to ask him for the grace that we need to be a blessing to those who don't love us this is what being an evangelist is all about this is what being a missionary is all about this is what being a servant is all about it's about letting God fill you letting the glory of the Lord consume you It's no longer my will, but it's his will. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives within me.